and welcome to Sound on Sight's Game of Thrones podcast. This is Kate Kalzig, joined by Simon Howell, and this week, filling in our third chair is Alex Thompson. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. So uh, you're, this is your first time talking on the podcast or coming on, and uh, so why don't you let us know, what's your relationship with the book? Have you, have you read them? Are you familiar with the series? Did you just catch up with it this time, you know, this, this year? What's your relationship with uh, Game of Thrones? Yeah, so I've I watched uh, the TV show as it's as it's aired because it is amazing, <laughs> and then uh, after after season two started, I went back and started reading all the books from book two on. Okay. Um, no, I had read book two before season two started. Then I went back and read book three, book four, and I'm about a hundred pages into book five right now. Nice. Now, have you you had read book one beforehand, or or have I, you not? I listened to the audiobook after season one aired. Interesting. That's that's a you know more piecemeal experience. Yeah. Well, I have a feeling that that's actually the kind of experience a lot of people are having with this material. You know, just because so many more people are being exposed to it through the television show than deciding how they're going to fill in the gaps. It's so it's interesting. It is. It's all over the place, but I, I enjoy it. Good stuff. So we've been, this is Blackwater. We've been building to it all season. It's written by George R. R. Martin, directed by Neil Marshall. And we've been predicting for weeks on, on, on here that they've been saving all of their money for this episode. Um, and it was a pretty crazy big one. What did you guys think? Well, um, I, for me, heading into this, I had two major questions. One of them was, was am I going to see the money on the screen? And the other one was, is this going to be as awesome sort of a linchpin for the end of the season as the penultimate episode from last season was, which, of course, featured Ned Stark dying. Uh, spoiler, if you didn't watch last season for some reason. Um, and the answer to the first question is yes. You can see the money on the screen. It might not be just in terms of sheer numbers it might not be quite as epic as some people might like it's you know it's clearly shot at night for a reason and there's clearly quite a lot of fog literally the fog of war for a reason but all things considered i i think this this is probably one of the most expensive hours of television ever made i don't know the exact budget but it's pretty ridiculous as for the second question uh, i i think it's it's definitely a, a very it's a very thrilling hour i it's not as perfect to me as the uh, as the aforementioned season one episode was. I think it does have a few flaws, uh, particularly the ending, and a couple of beats here and there weren't uh, weren't perfectly handled. I don't think, but o- overall, I mean, it was still you know pretty goddamn epic. Well, well, we'll have to talk about the ending because that was fantastic, as far as I'm concerned. Along with the rest of the episode, this was, uh, um, you know, after watching, I, I always get a little. Uh, maybe a little too high on on a thing without really thinking about it through but it is it is still you know a day later one of the best episodes of tv that i have seen personally nice well and you've you know you've seen quite a bit uh, i have so seen i have seen some yeah. that actually meet you know it's not like you've only seen game of thrones uh, so yeah. is then would you say that this is your favorite episode of game of, of game of thrones <laughs> well that's an interesting question because maybe not (laughs) (laughs) and that doesn't make any sense i i understand but um i i think season one had a lot had a is so far a better uh season of tv i think this might be the best episode but it's not 
part of the best season. Does that make any sense? Yes, it does. Yeah, okay. I mean, I like season two better than season one, but you're, I totally follow what you're saying. And I know that there are many who, I think there's a, there are a lot of people who like season one better than season two. It's more split than maybe I would have anticipated based on my reaction to where this season has been going. Um, I think I'm kind of, I think I'm in between the two of you, which is interesting because I, I absolutely, Simon, agree with your two points. I do think that it looks amazing. And I think that it's still not quite as emotionally uh, as successful and it doesn't give the same kind of gut punch that that episode from season one gives. Um, and it's actually something that I think is going to be a, a complaint very few will have that I have, which is at this point, you know, so so theoretically, uh, given what we see, Tyrion could die, but I don't think it's a spoiler to really say that that's probably not, not going to happen. happen he's their emmy meal ticket he's not going anywhere <laughs> uh, but uh but you know it's looking at the course of the season it it doesn't have the same death count or, or you know we don't haven't invested in characters to have them snatched away from us this season to anywhere near the extent that happened last season and so because of that i i, I do feel like maybe um it's not this episode isn't quite as successful as it might have been if we saw more death. Yeah. We, we saw a lot of people die, but we saw very, nobody we cared, nobody about. We cared and, about died. And also um, I, I think Neil Marshall did a pretty, uh, pretty good job for the most part. The, the battle scenes weren't always so easy to follow in terms of who's who, uh, or rather who's fighting for which side, which makes sense thematically, but was maybe a little bit less satisfying than I would have liked. Yeah, there's there's the point where uh, Tyrion almost gets killed by a guy, and for he's on screen for like three seconds maybe, and you're supposed to notice that he's actually one of the King's Guard. Yeah, and it's like yeah, I did I I saw that in the recap, and I was like, wait, what? I yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, it's it's Which, tough. And so what's that about? That I that I I confess I didn't get. I wonder if it'll come up later. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that'll be covered in in. Uh, later episode yeah mm -hmm. um well okay i'm just making sure that i'm not supposed to get it now so i feel <laughs> like a total idiot no, no. um th what one thing that was really refreshing about this episode is i feel like for the last three or four or maybe even more episodes than that they've been trying really hard to cram in every storyline and i it, and usually to the detriment of whatever episode it is especially when I'm, and i'm sorry people are tired of hearing us complain about this but whatever Especially when, you know, 10, 15 minutes of each episode is given over to Jon Snow and his bizarrely stupid storyline. Um, and also, uh, you know, the Danny thing is starting to drag. And this week there was absolutely none of that. It's just, you know, the equivalent of, of two or three hours in King's Landing and the surrounding waters. And that's it. Which was, it was, it was great to have that focus. It would be great if they could do that a little more often, I think. Well, and for me, it's interesting because it... It was, I was, you know, I noticed that exact thing and it, how well it works here. And it very much prompted me to wonder if this show would work better if they more closely hewed to the format of the books, which is, would be an episode of one character of Arya's story and then an episode of, of uh, what's going on at King's Landing and then an episode devoted to Danny as opposed to so constantly switching between every single storyline that they have going. Right, but then how long would it take them to get through a book? <laughs> like, 
No, it's the same it, number of episodes in a season. Just in, you know, just piecing them all together. I I could see like maybe uh, three, you know, following three characters per episode might might work, mm-hmm. and then uh, kind of switching 40. up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, well, the, the thing is, if they bunch the storylines together, you would just be able to know. Okay, th- I don't have to watch it this week because it's a Jon Snow week, or it's a, or Danny's still just messing around in Karth and nothing's really happening yet. Which honestly, I would be surprised if there weren't some people who read the books that way. Um, I don't actually know anyone who does, but I could totally see people just skipping forward to the next Arya chapter or the next Tyrion chapter mm-hmm. uh, and, and maybe not spending the time. I know not everybody's a fan of, of Davos. I enjoy Davos, but... Um, I don't know how you could not be a fan of Davos. He's like awesome, right? Yes! Yeah. Oh, and not just on the show. The actor's fabulous, Liam Cunningham, but I enjoy the character as well. Um, let's Let's talk more about this specific episode and, um, and, and how all the different things that were going on in king's landing did anybody else get a kick out of the fact that they uh found a way to to let uh jerome flynn sing yes Yes. i was so happy to see that and i thought there there's they kept showing this other lannister uh guy there Mm -hmm. and i don't i didn't remember seeing him so i thought is that is that the other part of his (laughs) 90s pop duo and it, it didn't turn out to be the other part but I, I, I wished it was. I, I only just found out about the other weird uh, Game of Thrones music connection with, with Theon being Lily Allen's brother. Yeah, there's a song about him called yeah. Alfie. Yeah, I never knew about that. That's very strange. A lot of strange things going on. Um, as for the, the King's Landing stuff, I mean, we really... they just I'm pretty sure they got uh, Lena Headey actually drunk. And just <laughs> I don't think they gave her a script. I think they were just like, can you just be a tremendous bitch <laughs> and just not really just don't even think about what you're saying. Just throw it out there because that was like a whole new level of awfulness. Yeah. And, and make sure you keep coming to back to the uh, part where everybody gets raped. Just keep hitting that point over and <laughs> yeah. over again. Yeah. Just mention that as often as possible. It's very important. I really liked the, the sequences. I thought they were so well done. And I, I thought Lena Headey was great. Uh in drunk acting i know on the televerse i mean we talk about uh people's drunk acting a lot but i thought she did a fabulous job over the course of the of the episode uh yeah well it's good that her version of drunk acting is just be a little be like you but worse (laughs) it's you know she's not like stumbling around or slurring or anything she's just she's just a little rosier in the cheek and darker in the soul yeah well because if you were stuck in that situation what would be playing through your mind it would be, oh, yay, I get to sit here while my family gets butchered. And, uh, you know, because they, they know the numbers. They know mm-hmm. that there's no way that they should be able to win because um, mm-hmm. they're not expecting Tywin to show up. Um, so, yeah, it, I, I, mean, I found that whole sequence to be very interesting and indicative of the, of the characters. But also, I loved that. Cersei, at least from, I'm curious what you guys think of this. Um, Cersei, from my perspective, is so much more honest, and she's she's right, for lack of a better word, in her interactions with Sansa and the way Sansa is, uh, you know, her demeanor and her, oh well, the good knights will will protect us, and you know, all of you know, and and so to hear, you know, not very pretty truths, but truths of their situation from Cersei, I thought was very interesting. Yeah, well that that's been that's been percolating for quite a while. She's just gradually just she's dropped all pretense of you know any of this being any fun. What, what what's that line she throws out where 
she's talking about her when when she was uh, was made queen, just how awful it was, and she became just something to ride. Mm. And she says, "Oh, that's horrible." Like, ah, you got Joffrey now, bitch. <laughs> like, she may as well have said it like that. Like, it was it was just such a delightfully horrible moment. Um, yeah, there's a there's a a thing that's in the book is that uh, Sansa just is this really idealistic girl like doesn't understand what's actually going around going on around her and what princesses I like about... have tall pointy caps yeah. with streamers exactly. on them yes exactly and they ride unicorns or whatever yeah um well what i what i like about the tv show is that they've they've stripped that away i think a lot quicker than it was stripped away in the book and and this this episode seeming like the last kind of the final you know, when she drops the doll, it's obviously a little he- heavy-handed there, but it it works visually and and uh, as a, as her part of her character. That that whole scene with her and um, the Hound is just was really awesome and kind of terrifying, but also sadly happy. I I don't even know how to describe it, but it's it was it was sweet and and sinister at the same time. Can can we talk about the Hound? Because he ends up being, I mean, this is this is the Hound's showcase episode. Like he gets more to do this week than he ever has, and that I found interesting. But I, I was a little the whole thing with him boasting and then basically getting PTSD on the battlefield. I, th- I feel like that happened a little too quickly. Like that they needed a few more minutes of carnage to really let that sink in and make that shift really hit home. Well, I don't yeah. feel like they had the screen time to really make that work. Yeah, I'm curious um, for for you if that how much of that worked because of course in the book there are there's more build up to his utter uh, hatred of fire, and so I mean did that come across to you that it was nothing about the the killing and the fighting it was sheer just just the sheer proximity to the fire that he couldn't handle. I, I'm not sure that wasn't entirely clear to me. Like I, I read that in other places and people mm-hmm. were, but I, I'm, I'm not sure that anyone who hadn't read the book could easily figure that out. It's interesting. What do you think, Alex? I don't, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. There's, there's always to me something kind of cheesy about a guy being on fire. And it's it's just because the way that they have to do that, like the precautions they have to take, so the guy doesn't actually die. Mm. And it's and it's always this arm flailing, but it's always the same arm arms flailing it's kind the of same weird. motion. Yeah, and it's and it's always it always just kind of pulls me out a little bit. I think the the early scene with a wildfire where where that ship explodes was phenomenal. But once once the fire started happening on the beach, I thought it it kind of veered into that cheesy. Uh, problem it wasn't too big of a problem obviously and i think it they they stayed on that shot of the guy running towards him on fire long enough to to hopefully get it at least part of the the whole fire being the problem in there yeah i i think for for me it's an issue of just it happened it felt like it happened very quickly and i don't feel like marshall came up with a good enough way to visualize just how messed up the hound was feeling like it 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 needed a little bit it needed a little bit more oomph. I'm not really sure what would have done the trick. And it's something if you're looking for it, if you're paying attention to it, or maybe if you watch uh, you know, upon second viewing, they shoot the hound burnside forward. They shoot it from angles where you always, for most of the episode leading up to that point, you're always seeing his giant scar, his burn. 
Um, and I think that's very much intentional on Marshall's part to try to remind you. But I think even even something as little as throwing in in the previously ons something about it, I think might have helped. Yeah, I, I never thought I'd accuse Neil Marshall of being too subtle. <laughs> yeah, I was I was hoping for like maybe a, a close up of his eye would maybe, you know, superimpose the guy burning over the his fire. iris or something. Yeah, it's something, you know, just get it right in there. Yeah. Well, we're talking about the fire. Can we just take a moment? Uh, seeing as we already have our explicit tag, can we just say, take a moment to see how fucking awesome the wildfire was? <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, that, that was that was. At first, I wasn't sure. Like when it when I mean before the explosion, like when when they've got like that teenage mutant ninja turtles. It looks slime like ecto cooler. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, and I'm like I don't know about this, and then I was sure about it because that fucking ruled. <laughs> yeah. So that that whole the whole his strategy is different than it is in the book and mm-hmm. and i it's I a disappointment a, time, uh, a little bit I, I have a tough time when i'm reading um you know doing action scenes basically mm-hmm. i i kind of i i go through them i read every word but by the end i just need to be reminded by by the writer so what exactly who died and how uh, just <laughs> just give me a quick recap at the end um the the battle of blackwater as it is in the book is pretty is pr- pretty memorable for me mm-hmm. scrambling but, over the 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 right the boat so of course the, the main difference for those who haven't read the books this is not a spoiler because it they chose not to do it. But uh, over the course of much of the second book, from the time that they know Stannis is coming, there's like some secret plan that Tyrion's working on that you just get kind of mentions of lots of blacksmiths not making armor and people being annoyed at that because Tyrion has them on some special task. And what you find out is that he's been having them craft massive, a massive chain to stretch... Um, at the harbor or the place where he knows the fleet's going to come in because they're going to come attack the mud gate. Um, and so it would, and it's hidden underneath the, at the, the mud at the bottom of the, uh, of the, of the water. So that when, once all the ships come in, they pull up the chain just under the sea level so that the ships can't get out. So when they try to flee the wildfire, they all start crashing into each other and that, you know, so, and so then you have the troops, climbing instead of getting into the boats and canoeing in they walk across all the 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 ships which are sort of lined up rammed into each other and that's how they get to the to the keep instead so it's a much more visually uh striking scene in the book but you know that would be even more expensive i don't know i have a really difficult time picturing how they could not i'm not just talking about the practicality of shooting a giant chain that traps ships I just imagine it looking sort of silly. Yeah, there's a uh, when I read it, what I thought of was that there's that one shot in um, the third Pirates of the Caribbean movie where Tom Hollander, I think is I think it's Tom Hollander is like is walking is walking uh, down his ship basically as it's exploding behind him and there's all this debris flying all around and it looks fantastic slow motion obviously because <laughs> everything is and I pictured that but with swords and green fire mm. uh when i when i read it so you know there's no way they're going to get the pirates of the caribbean money yeah. um but i i did i did like the solution here at least visually i think it, the, it looked amazing you know there's a there's a danger of it being here's here's fire but we put a green gel over it so it looks yeah 
slightly different, but it I I paid it I paid close attention and it it looks like the fire was just actually green. It looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it looked great. It didn't feel too. It it felt physically present, which is quite impressive. And I think the the effect that they really captured quite well is is the way. My favorite thing was just how okay the, there's the initial explosion which is big and you know awesome and cool, but then it's it just gets worse. Mm-hmm. Because it just spreads and spreads, and any, any, it, if it touches one person, then it's going, then it's, then it's taken the entire boat with it. Well, and somebody falls into the water, and a wave splashes up, and there's some wildfire there. So then it splashes onto the boat. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, that 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 was captured really, really well. But actually, I think even more than the visual effects, this episode works because of the sound design. Mm. Uh, I mean, just everything from the 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 drums on the on the boats you can, you, oh, you wow. can hear them in the you can hear them in the distance and like you can hear everything long before you can see it which is always scary as hell and uh, and then after the wildfire hits just the the din of screams the horrible horrible screams just going on for miles oh <laughs> yeah those <laughs> that was some nasty shit those first 10 minutes or so are are just astounding and just in in terms of like just building up you know, we've had buildup, you know, we've had eight episodes of buildup happening, but just in this episode alone, the buildup was fantastic. And those drums were, were more than I could have hoped for. Well, and so, just music, uh, to, to music geek out a little bit here. I loved the rhythm of it. I loved that it wasn't just, you know, left, right, left, right. But I love that it was a more complicated pattern or interesting at least, mm-hmm. which makes and, it so much more effective. Yeah. And the other musical thing we should mention is, of course... We have Braun and company singing uh, The Reigns of Castamere, which is like, I guess, the House Lannister song. Or it's one, one of, of the, songs. yeah, it's about them, yeah. Right. And it's, you know, they took it it's from about Tywin to... specifically, right? Right, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Right. I I read up on it, and unfortunately when I did, I got spoiled. Oh, don't do that. Everybody, do not read about that song. <laughs> yeah. Turn your I, eyes off right now. I, I got majorly spoiled for something in the future, and now I'm upset. No. But anyway. Um... And then, of course, at the end of the episode, you have the Nationals version of it, which is apparently on the the uh, season two soundtrack. They collaborated with the uh, with the show's composer on it, which is fantastic. And uh, we're going to play it at the end of the episode as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the National might be uh, my favorite band ever. And and when I when I heard that song earlier in the week, I was like, oh, okay, I'm in. I'm all in. Just, <laughs> just give it to me right now. I'm I'm ready for whatever. Whenever this shows up, I'm ready for it. Somebody else pointed out that I thought was uh, kind of cute was that uh, you go back to Tyrion walking into the small council um, in the the first or second I don't know just the first episode of the season and he's whistling and he's whistling the reigns of Castamere it's the same tune ah, right. yeah so it's whoever whoever pointed that out good job and get a life well remembered <laughs> sir. <laughs> Um, trying to think of what else happened. Uh, I mean, the another great sequence, of course, is uh, Cersei and the son whose name I can Tommen. never remember. What? Tommen. Oh, bless you. Um, that's just that Tommen is a dumb name. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Um, it kind of it kind of fits the kid. Yeah, uh, but yeah, them just waiting to die or waiting to to off themselves in that on the Iron Throne was pretty epic uh, mm-hmm. that that being said as as great as the battle itself was for the most part i did find the end of the episode was a slight anticlimax 
Maybe that's just me. Um, I, I you know that's interesting because I think it it probably depends. Uh, I would I would have anticipated that being more of an issue for people who have read the books because I think a lot of people didn't necessarily figure out who these other people were that came in. Definitely the way that the the intercutting of Cersei's story to Tommen with uh, Tyrion's view of the the savior, I thought was supposed to make you think that it was Jamie talking about the father will, you know, you will be strong and brave like your father. And then there's this knight on a white horse kicking ass. Um, and so I, th I think some people didn't necessarily know who those troops were, even though there was the banner there just because it was kind of, um, there was a lot going on. So, so, so maybe it was, it was more of a surprise of who was actually coming in. And, and when you saw Loris, whose side he was on. Yeah, there's uh, I I did I did like the reveal of Loras, and I guess in the books it's it's uh, later revealed to be a a different character under there, which is kind of it works for the book, but it's 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 fine for it to be Loras mm. uh, in the TV show for its sake of condensing and <laughs> introducing less characters. But for me, this this episode really announces Tywin, and and for the coming season, really. Mm -hmm. uh, it just here here he is he's the he's the most awesome also a jerk but seriously <laughs> awesome person you'll ever meet well, I, I <laughs> he's think, just amazing i think you've just inadvertently uh spoken why i feel like season two isn't quite up to season one for me which is that it it kind of feels like prelude and that's partially because all of you book fans keep going on and on about how great book three is, <laughs> how yeah. how how cray it's gonna get. And, it does get pretty cray, and how it's gonna it's gonna be ridiculous, et cetera, et cetera. And 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 then whenever I ask people, oh, what about this book? They're like, Meh. yeah, some, I really some, some things happen. Yeah, it's it, it's no a feast for crows in terms of in terms of uh, quality, which is still a good book, but it's it's totally kind of going from point a to point b there right. stuff does happen in a clash of kings and and i think what we might talk about later is that next week uh you can probably expect some similar similarly awesome stuff happening uh just you know kind of spread out around more places next week is 70 minutes long by the way yeah which, which is, is good i think yeah, very good because there's a lot i was just going through this with my uh my my father and and sister because my dad is watching he's never read any of the books and so he's been watching the show whereas my sister has read all of them um and so it's sort of a nice balancing act with the three of us but uh about the different things that you know storylines that where they're going to leave all the different characters everybody except you know we kind of know where things have fallen at uh at King's Landing, but you you have Jamie and Brienne, you have Arya and Jack and Hagar, you have uh, Rob uh, and, and Catelyn and Talisa, and you have uh, you know Danny and all of that stuff, as well as Jon Snow and all of that. So I mean, there's <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> Were those? Did you list those in any particular order? By the way, no. <laughs> kind of seems like you did. No. Oh no, no, I didn't. If I was listening them in order of interest, then uh, Danny would have come first. But at least for yeah, there's there, there's the unfortunate issue for season two of people not quite getting to do anything like Arya did some stuff. Tywin did some stuff. Uh, Jon Snow really didn't do a darn thing. Jon Snow walked yeah. 
walked a little ways and met a really awesome lady. He he walked a little. He had an erection, <laughs> and uh, I'm not really he, sure what else happened. And his he made friends, a pouty face. His yeah. friends found some arrowheads. Sam uh, has has a not girlfriend. Right. Yeah. And yeah. also, and, I, and Danny too. And, and in retrospect, I have no idea what that incest house thing was about. Which maybe I guess that'll come back in some other season. But it just in retrospect, I have no idea why that was there. Yeah, I'm trying to decide if I think that'll come back next week or season three. I, what What do you think, Alex? Uh, I say they I say they leave that for season three. season three. I have a I have a feeling for how season two ends, and it's not at that point. So I have a feeling mm-hmm. for how season two ends with uh, Jamie and Brienne, and I think it ends in the middle of book three. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they've, they've moved that up quite a bit but i love that because those two are my favorite and, yeah. I, and i think a lot of people's favorite so the, the quicker to them the better yeah. yeah well and 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 not having read the books i'm glad that they're that they're doing some book three stuff already because everyone's gone on about how how much happens mm-hmm. so it's it's good it, it's good for them i think to move things up a bit and get get at least a few plot points out of the way so they're not too cluttered yeah. Now, uh, a couple other things I want to talk about from this episode. Uh, first of all, I think we should talk about Stannis and how utterly badass he is. And I think that was, Super. I think that was actually important because he's been very. We've gotten his personality, I think, clearly over the course of this season of him being so completely stern and uh, uncompromising. And you know, when we get the story of Davos and how he, you know. He cut off half his hand uh, because that's the kind of man that that uh, Stannis is. Uh, so I like that we saw that he was the first off the boats. He was the first on the ladders. He was kicking ass, and he didn't. He had to be pulled away from the battle. And so I, I think that was really significant. And I think the actor did a really good job with that. So that is what happened, right? Because that was another thing I was having trouble with. He yeah, his being... troops pulled him away because okay. they knew they needed to retreat. Okay, that I wasn't sure about. And then the other thing I would say is uh, I'm really interested in in Shay. I know a lot of people really love the scenes with Tyrion and Shay this week, but I feel like they're um, I feel like this is a different Shay than in the books. And I'm uh, I, I like this character. I think she's really great. I love how strong she is, and I like that she seems to have a genuine affection for Sansa um, that I didn't mm-hmm. necessarily pick up in the book. Um, so I, I'm enjoying this performance and the, and this character. And I was, as I was talking with my, my family about this episode, it's like, yeah, I totally believe that Shay would fuck up <laughs> if, <laughs> if a guy decided he was going to try to rape her and didn't have a lot of people backing him up. I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, so I like where they went with her this, this yeah, week. Yeah. I gotta say, if I'm looking at rape targets, I wouldn't go for Shay. Yeah. She's, she's a force to be reckoned with. I would not mess around with her. But, yeah, so, I mean, what did you guys think of uh, the side, you know, with the scene with, with Cersei and, you know, how they you know, were able to sidestep that situation or her interactions with, with Sansa or Tyrion? What are you thinking about the journey we've seen from this character? Well, I've, I've liked Shay since the introduction of, of her. Uh, so I, I guess I was, I saw her in the TV show before I read her in the books so i guess i guess the tv version of her colors uh me a little bit more Mm -hmm. but since we're talking about the tv show that's fine yeah Yeah. i I like her i like her a lot and i think she's she's a good match for Tyrion. she's obviously um you know different in in a lot of ways but i think i think they complement each other well and and she's she's a great character to have at king's landing someone who's not highborn someone who's not 
uh, scheming as much. Uh, She's, you know, she's smart, but she's not trying to, she's not trying to become the queen. So I I like that. Her her schemes mostly involve not being killed. Right. (laughs) Which is a pretty smart way to scheme, I think. Yes. Well, in, in Westeros, it's a good, I mean, that, that's why her and, and Arya are so sympathetic because, I mean, Ar- I mean, Arya is, 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 of course, also trying to enact revenge at various points, but really most of her story is just how about let's not get murdered today. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about, uh, speaking of her, let's talk about, uh, Joffrey. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I'm loving that performance so much. <laughs> yeah. Jack Gleason is so, so good. Yeah, as if I couldn't hate him any more than I did previously. Here he comes, being just the worst person ever. Can I just say that this has been a great week for TV assholes between uh, between Jack Gleason here and and Pete Campbell on uh, on Mad Men, which I won't yeah. say anything more about that for anyone who doesn't want to be spoiled. But holy crap! Yeah. Um. Yeah, and yeah, he's absolutely epic in his cowardice this week, and. As many other people have already noted, just such a great contrast for Stannis. Mm-hmm. Well, and then you have you also have and I love that scene with Sansa. Oh, of course you're going to be out in the vanguard fighting because my brother does that, and he's not even a real king. So <laughs> yeah, I then, loved it. Yeah, and then later when when he's like, "Oh, did my mom want me for something super like really important? Did I need to go?" Sign no, something I'm, go- or... I'm going to go do that anyways. Okay, I'll see you guys later. I'll be right back. <laughs> You guys oh, and, the, and the stupid name for his sword. Oh. Heart eater or whatever. Oh my god, yeah. yeah. So cumbersome. You oh, notice he didn't have uh, her kiss his un unsheathed, the non-unsheathed sword when he came back in. Uh <laughs> yeah. But but on the other hand, I I've really come to enjoy Lancel so much more. I thought he was great this episode. Um he has even has his own little kind of arc or journey over the course of the episode when he finally decides that uh no Cersei you're gonna do what I tell you and she just of course bats him down like the fly that he is but I still enjoyed uh where he's come and then I think we got to mention Pod too uh Pod Pod brings the pain oh which, which one's Pod I'm confused that? now that's uh the 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 um the squire for Tyrion right yes um, yeah they're like and remember this guy who's been in the side of all of these scenes. He's kind of important. <laughs> he keeps dropping wine somehow. on people, and he's kind of useless, but Tyrion likes him anyways. <laughs> How have we not talked about... Oh, yes, we talked a little about Bronn because of his singing, but also pretty pretty damn epic in his badassness. Yeah, anybody that else shot. a little disappointed we didn't get that fight? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, a little. Actually, very. they keep threatening these fights, and I keep wanting game of thrones fight club to happen and it just doesn't It'd be better than the movie fight club i would say um burn i guess yeah. <laughs> anyways <laughs> not a huge fan uh but yeah i i think braun is braun has been i think maybe the best thing about the show that wasn't really in the book so much he's he's just he hangs around in the book but they've made him so much more important i think just Maybe just seeing just because how awesome the actor is, uh, and and that one shot of him, uh, it's like a kind of tilted ninety degrees of him shooting that fire arrow mm. was just glorious. That's <laughs> that's all the Bron I ever need to see. He's he's amazing. Yeah, I I could really go. Bron is great. I I could really have gone. There aren't enough. Another thing that there isn't enough of on the show is just characters we love just kicking it for a while, like. 
I, I, I want a whole episode of Tyrion and Bronn just walking around making lewd jokes. <laughs> Not an episode. episode. I, I need a, I need a spinoff. <laughs> I, I want a whole episode of Brienne and Jamie just jabbing at each other. You know, just I, I, I need more of those sort of th- those those character, just those those pure character moments. Well, speaking of that, the one bit we got of a pure character moment, just people kind of shooting the shit, was we learned a lot about Varys this episode. I thought. Yes. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, I like I like the Varys scenes a lot. In Although, such a short little moment, we learn he, you know, because he's been a, very much, I would say, a mystery to this point. We don't know anything about his motivations other than self-preservation. We know nothing about his politics. We know nothing about his beliefs or any. And we still, there's not much that we know about him. He doesn't tell us anything except that we know he does have strong, you know, beliefs He, as far as, you know, what he he does have something that he cares about as far as who he thinks should be on the throne. In the past, it's always, at least to me, seemed like, well, whoever's on the throne, I'll just figure it out so that I'm good to go. But to have him express a strong opinion on that this week, I think was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all we really know about Varys is he's apparently a eunuch and he apparently has a thing for young boys. That's pretty much all I got. But yeah, it was great to... to I mean... The, the, the scene with him and Tyrion last week was great, and his scenes here were similarly uh, quite nice. Yeah, I've, I've, I've liked him since since the beginning of the show, and, and I've been missing uh, the scenes between him and Littlefinger, which I think oh, were some of the highlights. Littlefinger. He's somewhere. Littlefinger's responsible for the Tyrells. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, right, because they show that, right? They show him yeah. convincing. Yeah. No, they don't show him convincing, but they show him talk that that fabulous scene between Tywin and Littlefinger and it's you know understandable that we wouldn't really remember what they were talking about because spent the entire scene saying Arya get out of there um but that scene was uh Tywin sending Littlefinger off to negotiate with the Tyrells because Marjorie wants to be the queen and they haven't allied themselves yet so uh yeah it's it's interesting that although he's not in this episode um, he is responsible in many ways for for them being able to save King's Landing. Yeah. Oh, by the way, the thing I got spoiled on, that that's pretty much the thing. Just for the record. God oh. damn it. Anyway. Okay. Um, I mean, I didn't say anything that we didn't already say on a show. No, no. Show, I, know, so. I, I know. It's not your fault. <laughs> um, it's totally mine. So, yeah, I'm trying to think of uh, anything else that's, that's worthy of mention. I uh, The preview for next week looks interesting. It seems to... I mean, they leave Sansa, her decision sort of open-ended in this episode. You don't really know what she does. The preview oh. for next week seems, or at least it seemed that way to me. I felt like I, that's, I, you're not the only one to, I've heard say that, but to me it seemed like it was, maybe I didn't actually see what I, I thought I said, but to me it seemed very close, uh, open and shut, literally. Um, <laughs> I, Alex, what about you? Yeah, well, I, that's a, that's a thing where it's is it because I know what actually does happen that yeah. I I gathered what happened. It's it was it was a little it was left open. I think I okay. think th- don't they just end with her dropping the doll that uh, Ned gave her a long time ago uh, last season? Um, but they just end with that doll dropping on the ground. Yeah. Um, so, well, we yeah, can talk it's... about it off off mic. Um... About because I thought there was something happening. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, mm. So yes, I guess we'll see what happens with Sansa uh, next week. 
I'm excited. I, I, I'm excited for Danny to actually have a thing you. happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's uh, some people that I thought she was going to meet uh, that she hasn't met yet. Um, and so I'm kind of hoping that'll happen. But maybe they're saving that for season three. Oh, uh, I no. Well, they could. I, I think it it could happen, but it's it, it might just be her, her opening in season three. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, House of the Undying should be great, if only because we get to see more of uh, more Piat Free. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's great. Yeah, and probably that's... more and, and probably more duck sauce also. <laughs> yeah. It's not that around. hard a name. What I know, duck sauce. It's very easy. Yeah, duck telling sauce. us how he got rich when he came and he was a beggar, and now he's rich. We get it, buddy. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's one more thing I wanted to say. Oh yeah, so here's here's something that I haven't even encountered in a lot of the movies that I've seen. I could not think of an example, and maybe I'll just be shamed uh, later <laughs> later on when there's a billion examples. But there were people on each side of the fight, both sides of the fight, I guess, tonight that I was rooting for actively, and I didn't actually know who I wanted to win. You know, mm. Stannis is there. Stannis is being awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he would probably be kind of a crappy king because he's so uh, straight edge, kind of no no guff, which yeah. works in some situations. But, you know, kings have to actually be kingly. But then there's also Bronn, and he's kind of fighting for himself slash uh, Tyrion. Tyrion, of course, being awesome. Mm. And his speech, by the way, which we, oh, yeah. Talk, <laughs> we have to talk about amazing. Uh, but <laughs> Let's yeah, go kill him. Yeah, there were yeah, there were just great. people there were people on all sides that I was that I was rooting for and that I didn't want you know one guy to kill another guy that'd be bad but I wanted to see someone get killed and some people did get killed and it was just weird I don't who got, I don't who, know who got who killed I, some some people died well yeah but we didn't know any of their names yeah well some some people died Davos is <laughs> dead maybe I don't think Davos is dead unless. He got blown off the side of a of a ship. That's pretty bad. Yeah, that's a. I, I don't know. That seems too ignoble a death for them to give him, unless unless he we see him next week and he's horribly scarred and he's and he mm-hmm. gets like a death speech. I don't think Davos is is gone. Well, we do know his son's name, right? And Melisandre did tell him that death by fire was the noblest way to die. So. Yeah. It doesn't feel like that's a spoiler that <laughs> maybe uh, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he's gone, and and that's it's. There's a lot that's condensed, obviously, from the books, and what I like is kind of putting all of his sons into one character, at least from mm-hmm. what we've seen so far. He's got like five or six sons, and you know, having this one son is enough. We mm-hmm. we get what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think of what else. Uh, well, when you when you when you're talking about sides and root, I mean. It's really all about the individual characters. Like I, I don't feel as though I am. I, I don't feel like I have the time in my life to really ponder who would be the best king of Westeros. Um, Why not? I, I, I have that time. Tyrion. Well, clearly, um, Arya. No. <laughs> she wouldn't be able to deal with the people. Okay, like I said, I don't have time <laughs> to think about it, and I don't want to start. <laughs> Uh, so I, so I, I, yeah, I get attached to individual characters and their fates, you know, like Tyrion, obviously, who, as we have clearly established, is going to be just fine. He's going to, he'll be a little uh, houndy after that, probably. But, uh, and also I, I somehow got, I don't know how, I just through general cultural osmosis, but I, it was also spoiled for me what happens to him in the book, which I wasn't expecting them to do and was not at all surprised when they didn't do. 
Oh yeah, yeah. They they can't do that on a TV show like this. Um, I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. That's okay. You can tell me later. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So there's just there's just a. I, I I totally agree with what you're saying, but I don't know if I before today reading the books I didn't feel this way, but before watching before watching this TV show I don't know if I would have rooted for Tywin to come you know riding up, being totally badass and saving Joffrey. Who, mm-hmm. Who's rooting for the guy who's coming in to save Joffrey? No one, except for <laughs> me. Well, and, and even and Tywin, honestly, once he meets the kid again, probably won't either. <laughs> He's like, ah, why did I do this? I remembered you being a lot shorter and less of a jerk. I think they've done a really good job of, and this is something that uh, somebody mentioned last week, I think they've done a really good job of... Um, of of li- of linking him up with the Mad King, uh, and and so I, I just loved that shot of him staring out at the flame or the fire, which is this like creepy look of uh, <laughs> of ooh, I like it. I could use this all the time. He's the master uh, of creepy looks. Very good at them. Also very good at creepy looks. The last thing I wanted to shout out is I think we need a, a shout out to both Wilco Johnson and Roy uh, Dotrice for uh, Sir Ellen Payne. Very effective with no lines, of course, because he's mute. And then also the pyromancer. Hilarious. <laughs> with no lines. Just sort of mm-hmm. like a old man crazed cackle. Yeah. <laughs> it was both, great. Both very good uh, characters. <laughs> yeah, I almost forgot anything. about I'd almost forgotten about the cackle, so thank you for the mention. So uh, that's ne- all I got. <laughs> so next week is uh, is it for us and the yeah. show for a while. Man, sad times. We can sad, we can expect goodness. Sad times. Uh, I I I concur with the. I mean, I think you know nine episodes in. I think is a safe time to probably make a guess as to which season is is better for the individual and for me. I do think season one was a, was a little bit more emotionally involving. Um, that being said, and 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 yeah, and and definitely the feeling of this all being prelude to something else, which I didn't really get in season one. It felt like it was momentous as it was happening. But that being and that all being said, also we saw money on the screen. It was pretty pretty damn epic. Yeah. So uh, Alex, any final thoughts from you? Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm excited to see what happens next. Uh, House of the Undying. I've been I've been waiting for the House of the Undying to happen since about episode seven, since it happens pretty pretty early in the book, uh, relatively. Yeah. So I've, I've been waiting for it to just happen already. All season. Give her something else to do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, I guess it makes sense to end her story there yeah. for the season. Good times. Well, of course, anyone listening can listen to uh, Simon and I talk about the rest of, of television over the course of the week on our other t- podcast, The Televerse, which you can find at Sundown Site. And uh, I'm at The Televerse at uh, Twitter. And Simon, you are? At Sucker Howl. So, Alex, where can our listeners find you online? Uh, my Twitter is at Junior1919. Uh, so make sense of that, what you will. <laughs> Dark Tower reference, if you if you like it. Um, also, I write stuff uh, more than occasionally, but not regularly, at uh, benefitsofaclassicaleducation.wordpress.com. And that's like movies and TVs and, and uh, music and books and junk. Yeah. And we, we need to get you writing for Sound on Sight. Yeah. It occurs to me. Yeah. yeah you should come write for us, write for us because can, you write well. <laughs> we can pay you with our We can pay you with our hugs. We have no money. I I love a hug. So I'm not in the same state 
or, or country as the two of you yeah. <laughs> uh, for one and the other. So I, 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 internet hugs, I guess. I don't Yay. know how that works. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you everyone for listening. We're going to come back uh, next week with our takes on the finale. And I believe uh, uh, Michael will be, will be back to help us talk about that one next week. So Excellent. it should be a lot of fun. And uh, thank you, Alex, so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Huzzah. And as we said, uh, we introed with the, of course, the Game of Thrones theme with a, uh, a I think this is a, an ensemble from like a Renaissance fair. Uh, I, I think, weren't we, weren't we doing accordions this week? We did accordion last week. Oh, no, I don't remember what we're doing this week. We, we, we're doing bagpipes, so... but it's not actually bagpipes. It's sort of like a lute and like a. Yeah, it was some sort of medieval troupe. There's so many Game of Thrones theme covers. <laughs> Holy crap. And then we're taking it out with uh, Reigns of Castamere by The National. Do not Google it. <laughs> Spoilers ahoy. And who are you, the proud lord said, that I must bow so low? Only a cat of a different coat, that's all the truth I know. And a coat of gold or a coat of red A lion still has claws And mine are long and sharp, my lord As long and sharp as yours And so he spoke, and so he spoke That lord of care but now the rains we pour is hard with no one there to hear. Yes, now the rains we pour is hard and not a soul to hear.